I don't like CBT. No one around these parts, the young to live by parts of the internet, like CBT, and we say that for a reason. It doesn't work. It doesn't really work. The therapeutic efficacy is poor. It does not work in depth. And many people who watch these videos, and many people who reach out in the YouTube comments, Discord, etc., uh, lots of them have been through CBT, as well as Jungian analysis. And they all say the same thing, which is, um, it didn't really work. And so, of course, we can make jokes and laugh about that kind of thing, but it's quite serious. The, the most popular frontline healthcare, if you like, in the UK at least, is CBT, which means that the people who are suffering the most, who are seeking out support, are not getting the support that they need, in our humble opinions, of course. So we've got a question today from someone who asked a question on the Merlin's Workshop tier on Patreon, and you can join him by signing up at that tier or higher to ask us a question on the channel to kick about between ourselves. And the question goes like this. I sought therapy after a chaotic relationship with a woman that I thought I loved. Neuroticism, depression, and anxiety slowly overtook me. I approached therapy on my own, and the therapist immediately started CBT, saying that my thoughts and feelings were irrational, and also claiming, without meeting the woman, that she was more than likely suffering from a personality disorder. I encountered a video of yours on animus possession, which seemed to describe this ex-partner of mine exactly. I can see that I was internalizing her projections, and I'm beginning to recognize the unhealthy effects of CBT on my psyche. As I can see, my instincts were telling me something was wrong with the relationship, yet I continued to stay with it. Abandonment or self-worth complexes, perhaps? And my question is, what would you recommend to someone like myself that went through many sessions of CBT? I feel it made the civil war inside of me worse, and now I have a hard time at discerning certain things. Not sure if I have a complex, if it's my instincts, or if my subconscious is really upset that I was disrespectful to it. You can see, not a particularly wonderful situation. The opposite from what you would want to have happen if you go see a therapist. So I asked Stephen Pauline in the past, what would you say to this guy? That seems to, in my experience, I'm, I'm sure Pauline would be the same, to be a fairly common story with respect Very to common. people's experiences of CBT, which yeah. is, of course, hyper-rational uh, and tends not to be interested in causes. They just want to mm. change people. Mm. Um, you could say it's suggestion-based therapy, but without the advantages, say, of hypnosis, which would fully engage in a collaborative sense, the unconscious, they don't do that. So it's superficial, it's hyper-rational, it's one-sided. Um, all the basic mistakes, actually, that if you did depth psychology training, you'd be taught not to make. Um, mm. Yeah, so that, that's a pretty common experience, and he's come out of it in a worse state than when he went in which is also a common oh, experience it, it is it? a common experience i i must admit Steve, I've, i picked up on the final part of that mm. question about um you know the, the what he felt was his own disrespect towards his own unconscious mind it's not actually coming from him that's coming from the cbt therapist the yeah. lack of respect for the unconscious and he's internalized that as, as as being his attitude towards it because it just it doesn't come into the equation with CBT therapy at all. It's just irrelevant to them. So there's any disrespect been paid. It's been paid by the CBT therapist. And I don't know whether this was a man or a woman. Are you aware, Steve? Uh, I'm, not. I'm no, not, no. No, I'm not. So um, 
again, it's hard to, I, I guess I was thinking if, if, if perhaps it had been a woman who had said those things, then maybe that would have had some kind of impact on his anima. It probably would have done. Um, you, you certainly internalise that suggestion and is using it on the inside to criticise yeah. himself. So, yeah, what, what, what you've basically got is someone who is uh, divided mm. under stress, mm. going to see someone who then further divides them. Yeah. Hence his use of the term civil war. Um, obviously, no one can win a civil war. Mm. And he may well have heard us use that expression in the past, which, which we often do. Yes. And it's far better to go to the negotiation phase than to set up a fight. And um, by calling the psyche or, or the manifestation of the psyche irrational to the mm. extent that they do, yeah. they effectively enter into a confrontation where one is not necessary. You'll get a faster healing response from the whole person, which includes their unconscious, if you go into collaboration rather than confrontation. Confrontation is last resort when there's no other option available and the system is so unstable that there's nothing left for you to do other than to do that. But it should not be the first thing you go for. Mm -hmm. And you certainly shouldn't push someone away from understanding something which is, is labelled by a therapist as being irrational yes. because the therapist doesn't understand it. Yeah, the implication is that the irrational yeah. has no value, no inherent Absolutely. value. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you, you could see this as um, a CBT versus Young position. How would a, a Jungian approach differ? It would differ markedly. It doesn't have to be an extended approach because Jung talked about what he called minor psychotherapy, yes. which would be the, the more brief and focal yeah. uh, therapy that we have today versus major mm. psychotherapy, which would be the kind of thing you usually see with depth psychology going on for years, mm. several times a week. Mm. That's another story, of course, about whether that's even necessary. But with respect to um, brief therapy, the very last thing you should do is impose a structure, a dualistic structure like that, onto somebody who is already divided. Yes. First thing that should have been done is his story should have been listened to. And then the basic elements psychodynamically of the interaction between those parts of that person's story be understood. Not calling them irrational. That's mm. just super, super bad. Mm. Um, he's obviously internalised, as you say, yeah. uh, Pauline, uh, influence from the woman in that yeah. relationship um you'd also need to know his personality type in the broadest mm. sense without imposing a typological structure onto him but get some kind of uh, understanding about that yeah. then you'd know how he was making sense or indeed nonsense of his experiences of the woman of the therapist and of his inner life and how those different dimensions are, had interacted to produce his current state in the moment uh, he's definitely onto something about the danger of disrespecting, so to speak, the unconscious, but that doesn't mean to say that he's done it. No, he hasn't. Uh, he may have been shaped into a position where that has been a resultant effect of that therapeutic intervention. Mm. What will happen in cases like that is the symptoms will get worse because the compensation from the unconscious is not being acknowledged for what it is, mm. which is compensation. And CBT people don't understand that. Jungians understand it quite naturally. That's how they're set up and trained to experience things based on observations of real people as opposed to some kind of hyper-rational, abstracted construct, which is what cognitive behavioral therapy effectively is. Mm. So yeah. he would need to find a place to stand 
right? Ego strengthening again, but not by creating this duality between rational and irrational. It's simply what's going on in his life. It's the whole perspective. This is where he stands, but strengthen the boundaries of his ego and protect himself from negative suggestion because it's flying at him from the outside and it's flying at him from the inside, outside from the relationship and from the therapist inside from whatever he has internalized and allowed to drift back into his unconscious where it will draw things of significance to it. This is what happens with suggestion. If we accept a suggestion, it goes in and it can go in deep. It doesn't have to stop with the level of the ego. It can go in to your unconscious and then form the nucleus of a complex or reinforce one that already exists. Mm. From the picture as he presents it, it's definitely affected his relating externally and internally. So the first base call, if you like, there is that this is his anima. Insofar as the anima describes his relating function, there is no relating without the anima. Wherever else you might think the anima is, it is relating. Yeah. Wherever you relate, the anima is present if you're a man. Yeah, and it's another woman who doesn't understand him. Another woman who doesn't understand him. So the, the basic tendency to project the relating function onto a woman will be reinforced by the fact that it was a woman who did this. Also, his own um, critical capacity, his psychological immune system, um, which should have been supported by the CPT therapist or any therapist, in fact, that he, he works with, has actually become an iatrogenic effect. In other words, something which is negative and harmful caused yes. by the therapeutic intervention. Yeah. And specifically by being hyper-rational and therefore divisive and creating a polarity which causes a civil war. This is why we say don't go into polarities. They don't help. Obviously, they describe the two ends of a bandwidth yeah. of simultaneously um, exchanging of information between all the different nodal points between the bandwidth. But just describing the bandwidth doesn't tell you about, or the ends of the bandwidth, doesn't tell you about the contents or the dynamic of the bandwidth specifically. So yes, if you need that for your perception, think in terms of opposites simply to describe the shape of something, but it does not describe it in detail in terms of its interaction. You have to go into that bandwidth to find out what's operant there. And if you do, you'll find it's not so simple. It's not just rational, irrational. Is the anima rational or irrational? It's both. So it's acting there in both of those dimensions and everything else, all of his complexes, his memories, his life experience, all of those are being processed. So it's not simply a polarity. It is a bandwidth of information uh, and energetic expression. So you need to get into that. First place then to start is with the ego, get that strengthened, get his psychological immunity to suggestion, strengthened, help him to build a place to stand so he can re resist negative suggestion from therapists and others mm. on the outside, and also to take proper stock of his relating function on how that's evolved and developed. That's technical. The practicalities of that need to be nuanced and subtle and delivered according to the needs of the individual in their unique situation. So you need to have a compass and this is where typology would come in, of how he's processing information habitually, how he models the world. If that's the right way, but it's just improperly attuned, help him to tune it. If it's the wrong way, because if you give him a type test like the Myers-Briggs, it might be his negative animal that answers it rather than him or some other influence. You need to find out just what he's meant to be in terms of how he models his world. That, in effect, will do the job of what CBT is supposed to do, but it does it properly. 
it's not about, as I say, polarities, rational, irrational, or any others. It's all about balancing the flow of information and energy between different structures psychodynamically while strengthening him, and then he can address the problems in, in a proper and healing way. Well, we were talking to another gentleman recently who'd also had CBT yeah. and, and been further damaged by it. Um, mm. Some of, of you who've seen the previous podcast will probably remember uh, the guy who was talking about being diagnosed with the doubting disease. Oh, yeah, yeah. And actually, when it came to it, this particular um, gentleman um, had all but given up on relying on his in, own intuition, his own instinct to find his way through his problems. And that was in part due to the fact that he was given this massive suggestion that he had a doubting disease. So the, the very thing that could have lifted him out of his predicament, he'd come to doubt. Mm. And again, like Steve was saying, you, you can see very clearly the iatrogenic effect of that. Yeah. And bringing him back to the idea that actually, no, he should trust his own intuitions, his own instincts on things. And this is something, a piece of poison, really, that had been delivered yeah. to him from the outside. And, it into, and he'd interjected that into his own psyche. He was able to discriminate and, and gradually mm -hmm. start to yeah. detach himself from yeah. that suggestion. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's becoming a bit all too familiar. To us. We're actually seeing an awful lot of people who are being processed yeah. in this mechanistic way yeah. and being further damaged by it. So, yeah. yeah well, when uh, you think about awful. this, all therapy is delivered through suggestion. All of it, no matter what school. Because suggestion is influence. Influence and suggestion are aspects of relating. Therefore, it's the anima. Yes. So everything that you take on board therapeutically through an influence is going to affect your anima yes if that feeds into your negative anima then that's trouble mm. because there's no defense against that because the negative anima hides usually pathologically inside your dominant function the thing the process that you don't normally in everyday life take issue with because yes. It's habitually how you define yeah. yourself in terms of functioning. Yeah, it's the thing you rely on. It's the thing. Actually, it's the thing that you rely on, which is why it's the most yeah. unconscious part yeah. of your ego. But it's still part of your ego, is your type, because the type describes how you make sense or nonsense of your experience. That's what it really is. Mm. And as it's therefore going to hide inside the, 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 the negative anima, and he's had a negative experience in a relationship, mm. he will be very, very unconscious of how his relating is being further manipulated yes. by the iatrogenic, yes. that is to say, um, negative causes of the cognitive behavioral therapy that he had, which just, as he said in his own words, mm. divided him still further into the civil war. Mm. Um, he was right to mention about instincts, Yes. Because his instincts, the instincts are blind. They don't care. They just say, I want to be fulfilled. Have a bit of that. Hmm. And basically, the only thing that's going to inhibit that is another instinct that says, if you kick in now, we'll die. Ah, Okay, survival instinct number one switches off the other instincts. And then the input from the environment through the senses, through consciousness, into the unconscious will change. And the instincts reorder themselves, realign, and push again. That's why we feel these pressures continuously. So he's under instinctive pressure to actualize himself in terms of relationships, externally, adaptations, all of these things. And then the meat in the sandwich is his conscious personality, his ego, his ego, whichever way you want to pronounce that. And that the character, 
the tone, the ambience of his ego in terms of his typology will be decisive because that's what he will refer to to process sense or nonsense. Mm. Remember that. That's where the negative animal will hide. It just does. You don't have to put it there. It turns up there because it's the most unconscious part of us. I keep saying it, but it's truth. Test it in your own life. You'll find it's the case yeah. and it will interfere with every kind of relationship you have externally and internally. And it will look for confirmation bias for its own rhetoric, its internal rhetoric. But remember, its internal rhetoric seems like it's yours because it's got your dominant function. Yeah. Part of the problem, Steve, I think, is when at the point at which people seek help, seek therapy, yeah. they're usually very, very vulnerable yeah. already. And, and, and so the, the, they're almost um, hyper-suggestible, really, yes. because they're, they're so desperate to be pointed in the right direction. Yeah. And, and everything that is said to them will take on a huge amount of significance yeah. from that person mm. and you know we're, we're seeing the consequences of, uh, of that here mm. and um, I think the more discriminating you can be before before you seek help the better I mean it, very difficult one like I say because the chances are people just get so desperate it's like well I, I had to do something in that moment and this is all I could access mm. but be discriminating if you possibly can yeah. or if you can find the strength within yourself to go it alone and just to find the sources and the resources that you need in order to work yourself through then that's preferable from having you yeah. know some vulnerability exploited or some injury com further compounded by by another individual who doesn't if it's a CBT therapist, even acknowledge that the the unconscious particularly exists or yeah. matters in any way. Yeah. So um, yeah, you have to do what you can to protect yourself with yeah. whatever means you can. Yeah, they talk about negative automatic thoughts and cognitive schemas and all this crap, but really they don't understand the dynamics between the constructs that they hypothesize as existing because they don't understand the dynamics. They don't understand behavior because behavior is dynamic. And this, again, is where a Jungian or broadly psychodynamic approach has a huge advantage because it's it's a mirror of how people actually function as yes. opposed to a hyper-rational imposition of how people should ideally function and then become less of a nuisance to the health service in yes. whatever country, yeah. which is why CBT is popular. Mm. It's, it's basically a way of drilling people, you know, through it's brainwashing and, yeah. and, and some people, yeah, it's cost effective in that sense. Uh, and some people that we've experienced recently have said, I felt like I was brainwashed by them. Yeah. It, it, it's come yeah. at that intensity yes. of persuasion. Whereas a psychodynamic approach, a Jungian approach, would understand immediately that is not going to work and you're actually going to make people suffer far, far more than they need to. Mm. And it's not that you need to be bright, <clears throat> intelligent or anything like that to benefit from psychodynamic approaches. The approach just has to be naturalistic. Yes. And to communicate with the psyche on its own terms. Whereas the hyper-rational approaches, really, you'd have to be a cyborg. Mm. You know, you'd have to be something that was literally programmable in that simplistic sense for that to work. But yeah. you know, Steve, even an ethologist or an anthropologist mm. would probably have more to oh, yeah. say yeah. Um, just to, by understanding instincts and, yeah. and adaptation yeah. to actually helping that person. The CBT therapist would. They'd actually yeah. have something more healing to say. Yeah. So... Again, you know, so think think more broadly about how you can actually help yourself yeah. and uh, yeah. don't allow yourself to be processed. 
yeah. because that's what it is. It's just just, yeah. just a way of processing people. Jungian therapy need not take a long time. It can be very brief, be very quick. It's just a case of doing the right things. And in the case of a Jungian therapist, not being distracted into what they want to explore, but what you need to look at in order to get rid of the symptoms. In that sense, you can compete and defeat cognitive therapy on any ground of your choosing. Um, it's just when Jungians artificially prolong processes uh, yeah. by going into things that are pointless with respect to helping a particular person that they start to look ridiculous yes and that gives the cbt and related therapies all the ammunition they need it does it gives them the upper hand it does because yeah. it, the, the the Jungian side of things suddenly appears to be an, an elite thing that only a certain kind of person or a person with a certain kind of income yeah. can access mm. uh, has to be absolutely wrong and it, is. and it is wrong it is yeah yeah so um this guy's got everything he needs everything even the way he's constructed his question yes all the insight is there, but you can see where it's been adjusted by his experiences. So in that sense, the right degree of insight into what he already knows, which could be delivered very quickly, and the right kind of support for that insight that he already has, would be enough, I would predict, for him to turn that round pretty much instantly. By instant, I mean two, three sessions, something like that. And your average cognitive yeah. therapist in the UK will aim to work at 20 to 25 sessions. Yeah, like yeah, and uh, and you talk about that being a, a brief therapy. Now, if you, if, you, if people are, are allowed to think in a naturalistic way, they'll get the results themselves from within. Mm. So I'm sure he's going to beat this. He's going to sort this out. Thank you for watching this episode of Young to Live By. If you haven't already, make sure you download our free PDF for integrating your shadow. It includes the most advanced theory on the topic available anywhere on the internet, as well as a full practical breakdown. If you've ever wanted to integrate your shadow, this is honestly the way to do it. Thanks again for watching and take care.